While the country seems to be in the grips of the fifth wave of COVID-19 pandemic, I must say very interesting to look at where we are in terms of our management of um, COVID-19 versus what you're seeing elsewhere in the world and you know some of the countries that are going through harsh lockdowns i think china singapore being some of those where there have been really very very strict lockdowns um and mostly as a result of uh, the development of Omicron within their populations. Uh, Professor Ramnik Alwalia is the Chief Executive Officer of Higher Health. He joins us this morning. Professor Ramnik, good morning to you. Good morning, ma'am. Good morning to everyone, and uh, and thank you for having me. And I wonder, you know, if you can just begin on that note. When you look at how the virus has evolved in a country like South Africa and our management of the virus versus what we are seeing um, elsewhere in the world, do you have a particular comment on that? You know, uh, uh, it's 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 actually um, the South Africa, from my perspective, has done extremely well comparative to many parts of the world. Um, uh, China, on the other side, is going through extreme lockdowns, as you rightfully said, at this stage, because their immune systems have not been developed to the level we have already, unfortunately, got through in South Africa. Uh, what our studies have shown that South Africa, 80% of South Africans have got uh, COVID during the first, second, third, or the fourth wave, which means that there is something called a natural immune system or an acquired immune system being built naturally. However, as much as we know that the natural immune system is built in our bodies, it still weans down in time. And then equally what South Africa, uh, comparative to our sisters and brothers in Africa, what we did was we started a vaccination program much earlier. And what has happened is, at least today, about 35% of population of South Africa above the age of 30 has been vaccinated, which means that the acquired immune system has been boosted through a vaccine immune system. Uh, and, and similarly, 60% of our population above the age of 60 have been vaccinated. And that what happens is that the immune system of South Africa in general seems to be better comparative to the immune system in other parts of the world, for which the government today is feeling a bit more confident of removing the national state of disaster leaving our economy growing. Remember, we are a developing country. Uh, and in a developing country, uh, economy plays a very central role because we work on daily wages. Uh, there's a lot of informal settlement uh, and sorry, little informal jobs. And I think uh, life needs to be balanced in both saving lives versus economy to be continuation. So South Africa is still advantageous. But as I said, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. This virus is full of surprises. It's a mutating virus. It's an airborne disease. And for the first time, we've seen even a subvariant of an Omicron, which was comparatively to be less virulent, has suddenly transformed its shape into a new mutant, into a subvariant, which has become more transmissible, more immune evasive, causing a lot of breakthrough infections, as we see in South Africa with the current blip or, or, or entry into the fifth wave. So so I think uh, South Africa has done well. We're now out of the, the challenges as we speak.
Mm. And, and I think I just also wanted to correct myself that I talked about Singapore and uh, China. It's in fact North Korea um, that has recently imposed very strict lockdown um, interventions after the discovery of uh, the Omicron virus there. So let's talk about then what the impact of um, the fifth wave of COVID-19 will be on our institutions of higher learning. What are the conversations you've been having, Professor Ramnik? So, you know, uh, South Africa again finds itself in a very difficult and challenging time. And what has happened is, the first thing that's happened is we've just come out of an Easter or a festive uh, month. And that led to a huge behavior change, a lot of socialization, a lot of people mingling and from the higher education, a lot of students going back home. And parallelly, at the same time, our winters came earlier comparatively to what we used to always see in April, which means many of these congregations happen indoor. And when you have indoor congregations, when you are having socialization without mask wearing or with less ventilation, that's exactly what an airborne disease or a virus finds joy in. And thirdly, equally at the same time, the the virus, the Omicron variant that existed in South Africa, which is still prevalent in the air, which had replaced or displaced its previous offspring like the Delta, was prevalent, also started mutating, which, which is a normal part of viral evolution. And when the normal part of viral evolution happens, what the virus is trying to do is is trying to survive in a human body. And all it does is it changes its shape to such a level that our body does not recognize it for a bit of a time, So, which means that it becomes immune evasive for a while, which means it, it, when it enters our body, it hides. And when it hides, it starts binding to human cell, multiply, causing us something called a mild to moderate infection. And these, this, all three parameters in, in parallel to what we call it as, you know, removal of the national state of disaster where masks were not mandatory. However, I still preach masks in indoor congregation is critical, happened to lead us to what we call it as a major blip. Uh, I'm not too dead sure whether we will call ourselves the fifth wave yet because uh, we do think this is the aftermath of a festive season. Uh, and it's caused by a sub-variant. But yes, many provinces have shown us spikes that are equivalent to what we should have called ourselves by definition into a fifth wave. And it's a highly possible that we can enter into a fifth wave very, very quickly through the same sub-variant. But what is also anticipated is this virus can mutate to form a new variant, which can has the properties to displace Omicron and cause us a full-blown uh, a wave, which can be either the fifth or the sixth wave, in this winter, and that's what we need to be careful, both in South Africa and in higher education. So, so if I hear you correctly then, um, Professor Aluwalia, what you're saying is that as higher health, you're not recording where South Africa is right now as being in the fifth wave of the pandemic. <clears throat> uh, we, 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 for now, we're watching uh, the, the spikes of the, the COVID-19 the definition of uh, of a wave is defined by the fact that you have reached 33% or the 30% of the peak of the previous wave for seven consecutive days. Um, and we are right there. We're just at the borderline trying to figure out from the last seven to ten days whether it's falling into the exact definition. However, provinces like Kauteng and Kaysagan have shown their numbers and speak by spikes clearly indicating that we should be in the fifth wave as per the definition of how we define a wave. 
But we're also looking at the attributes of the subvariant being still in Omicron. We're also looking at the attributes of behavior that just happened through the festive season. Um, but yes, if people's behavior do not change, if the masks are still not being worn in the indoor congregation, winter's around the corner, and the infection is spreading the way it's spreading, it's it's automatically leading us to uh, almost into the verge of entering into a first wave. All a right. Full-blown first wave. We'll continue the conversation with Professor Ramnik Aluwalia very briefly after the latest 9.30 news headlines. He is with Higher Health. Of course, I'll also be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial to be part of the conversation this morning uh, on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. For now, let me take you over to Musa who's standing by on the news desk. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation with Professor Ramnik Aluwalia, uh, who is the CEO of Higher Health. So, Professor Aluwalia, just before I let you go then, as it stands, no significant changes to how institutions of higher learning are going to be um, responding to their management of COVID-19? Uh, no, few changes. Uh, we have uh, re-requested all the institutions to put our protocols back, and the protocols um, which 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 moves into the system of of having uh, vac- uh, at least a mask wearing inside the closed indoor congregation. So, which means classrooms, laboratories, libraries, residences, where people are in closed congregations staying together. We are looking at uh, putting masks uh, uh, mandatory uh, in the indoor system. Uh, we are following absolute guidelines of the Department of Health recently released, which is about um, looking at not more than 50% of the capacity of the of the rooms. Uh, we are looking at a policy of uh, putting ventilation as a very predominant factor. It's an airborne disease. So even if winters, doors and windows have to be open, and we're requesting students to wear extra jerseys and extra coverings because in winters, though it's going to be cold winters, but ventilation in indoor congregations play a very central role. And lastly, uh, but not the least, vaccine promotion, uh, especially our first years have joined. However, we've done very well as a sector, whereas our ground survey shows that 62% of our students are already either fully vaccinated or partially vaccinated. So we are looking at the booster doses uh, of vaccines to be supplied with easy access on the campuses so the students can get it specifically in the winters where we know we need to jack up the immune system back uh, and equally providing a flu vaccine access, which obviously needs uh, also to be taken care of because what a human body does not want at this stage is to fight two viruses, which are going to be very prevalent, airborne and in winter. So I think that these are some of the significant changes mm. that one will see during this period of winters. You talk about flu vaccinations. Are we looking at those becoming free as the COVID-19 vaccinations, particularly for students? Yeah, that's a difficult question to answer. We are procuring them. So we remember, we as a higher health, we rely on funding and investments from um, donations, from whether it's uh, from the private sector, whether it's from government. So we have engaged a lot of uh, pharmaceuticals around uh, donating flu vaccines. However, I have not yet got a confirmation where the vaccines will provided be flu. Uh, but the price of the, the flu vaccine in the market is very, very comparative in the sense people can afford it. 
but we are trying to get the flu vaccines free for our students, but it's not yet confirmed yet. All right. Professor Ramnik Aluwalia, Chief Executive Officer of Higher Health, that's where we leave it with you for that for this morning. So it just gives you an update of where we are with the responses and the management of COVID-19.